Have you guys ever been indecisive or, you know, torn between two decisions? Surely not, right? You know, you can't make up your mind. You keep going back and forth between two thoughts. You ponder. Both are really good, right? Let's take, for example, something really simple. You want to go out for, for lunch, all right? And you get to choose between McDonald's or Wendy's. Well, if you end up at Wendy's, more than likely you're probably going to get some nuggets and maybe a Coke, right? Or if you go to Wendy's, you're probably going to get a hamburger and a Frosty, right? You know, one of those. They're both pretty good, but, you know, there's a choice. Which one do you want? Another word of hearing this going back and forth is like riding the fence, right? Or mixed feelings about something. Another example. This last April, Kevin and I had plans to go in May to England to see our daughter and them. Well, with this whole COVID, like most of you, have probably had to make some decisions, right? And it's been difficult. So we had to debate whether we could go ahead and go or should we postpone it, you know? And then, you know, we went back and forth. We couldn't make up our minds. So we decided to postpone it, which was not an easy decision, you know. We're hoping to go later, but maybe they can come out here. You know, we're on that, we're riding the fence a little bit. Now, I'm sure all of us have had mixed feelings about something, you know, at some time or another. But don't you find that during those times, it's really nice to finally come to a decision and then to feel like, yeah, I chose wisely. McDonald's had a really good deal on their burgers today. Yeah. Or yes, we waited long enough to keep safe and to keep our family so we can go on that extended vacation that we wanted to do. Certainly, it's appropriate to be indecisive at times, and there's nothing wrong with riding the fence on certain issues. But there are some things that are very important. In fact, they are crucial importance. And on those things, we can't afford to be riding on the fence. We must be decisive. We must choose and choose wisely under the leading of the Spirit. You know that emoji, the one with the palm on the head, on the forehead, or that other emoji where like half of its head is cut off and there's like a bunch of steam and stuff coming off? I call that the oh my emoji. I don't know what you all call it, but that's like oh my. You know, it's one of those. It's a stunning thing. I feel we are at the oh my point of Paul's letter, okay? For the past several weeks, we've explored the book of 1 Corinthians. A quick recap that Pastor Trent has been leading us on. And you can go back and you can listen to it on our YouTube channel, or you can go to our website and you can find it to get all caught up. But Paul starts off from the get-go. You know, God's wisdom versus the world's wisdom. And then we talked about Paul making himself an example to follow as he walks in the Lord. And how gathering as the body of Christ is vital. And it's important that we are the body of Christ together. And that the church's response on how to work through things when they are difficult. Now, so if you are able, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We're going to start with verse 17. If you are able, please stand as we go through the reading of the Lord. I'm reading from the Common English Version. 
Okay, this is a new practice too. <laughs> Nevertheless, each person, each person should live the kind of life that the Lord assigned when he called each one. This is what I teach in all the churches. If someone was circumcised when called, he shouldn't try to reverse it. If someone wasn't circumcised when he was called, he shouldn't be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing. Not being circumcised is nothing. What matters is keeping God's commandments. Each person should stay in the situation they were when they were called. If you were a slave when you were called, don't let it bother you. But if you were actually able to be free, take advantage of the opportunity. Anyone who was a slave when they were called by the Lord has the status of being the Lord's free person. In the same way, anyone who was a free person when they were called in Christ, in Christ's slave, you were bought and paid for. Don't become slaves of people. So then, brothers and sisters, each of you should stay with God in the situation you were in when you were called. This is the word of the Lord for the people in your name. May be seated. So now, did you respond with the, oh my, you know, is that emoji? Now I chose to read in the middle of this chapter to focus and to hold on a particular point that Paul was driving at. But honestly, the entire chapter needs to be read as a whole. So we're going to be touching on some from the beginning and some from the end. I think the NIV breaks it into three different parts. And that's where a lot of pastors will take, you know, and talk about marriage and all of that. It needs to be read as one complete chapter. It's a long one, so I advise you to do that. Paul illustrates, it is our status in belonging to Jesus Christ that identifies who we are and which gives purpose to our lives. Paul has been writing some really hard, distinct direction and guidance to the church in Corinth. And we see in chapter 7 him addressing it this way. In verse 1, he says, well... Now about those questions you guys uh, were asking about in your last letter. Now, good grief. You know, can you imagine reading and hearing all those points from chapters 1 through 6 before even getting to the questions that you had presented to Paul? It's like going to a work review. You know, you have a few questions that you're curious about and some current concerns that you want to bring up but you get all these other points brought up to you that you were not expecting. But credit to the Corinthians for addressing and seeking advice. They at least knew to come together and seek matters and write to Paul asking for his guidance. That's a good start, I think, seeking counsel on matters that concern us. Paul is so compassionate about living a life for God. He doesn't stray away from what is needed to be said. Okay, here's where I can see Paul doing the oh my emoji. <laughs> why people, why? More of the explosion. <laughs> Corinth people live with an honor-shame orientation. And we have a mixed audience here in Corinth. Some who may have more of a status-hungry relationship. And they were looking, perhaps, for this new religions, new thoughts that they were given to them, that perhaps it would put them a little bit higher on the social ladder or as a way to better themselves in a standing with God. Let me give you a snippet of what the first part of the chapter starts with and about those questions that they wanted to know about, right? There are those who are married questioning if they should remain married. Now that they are Christians living in the new age of the Spirit, 
Should they not put away what remains of the old life? If married, they could at least refrain from sexual relations. No, no, says Paul. Those are appropriate relations in marriage. What then about those who have lost their spouses? Should they seek marriage? One may marry, but it's good to remain single. If the single life is so good, what about ending a marriage? No, marriage is not to be broken. But what if one spouse is an unbeliever? Surely then it would be okay to separate. No, try keeping together for the sake of the spouse and the children. So hold on to an unequally yoked marriage at all costs? No, not at all cost. What is it that Paul thinks is most important? He seems to be having mixed feelings. Um, a, a bit unsettled, right? It's better to be, is it better to be married or single? Should one hold on to a marriage or let it go? Are sexual relations good to desire or not? Should we be circumcised, uncircumcised, reversed, no possible, what, what? What are you saying, Paul? It is again in belonging to Jesus Christ that identifies who we are and which gives purpose to our lives. It is not if we are single, married, divorced, or what church we belong to, nor is it where we are at in the financial spectrum, what political views we have, or even our own thoughts on current issues. We belong to Jesus Christ, first and foremost. Whether you are married, divorced, circumcised, uncircumcised, slave or free, it is not the condition that affects our calling to be a Christian. Rather, it is our calling as a Christian that affects how we live. Honestly repeats, live the kind of life God assigned you when you were called. What does that mean, called? You know, there's a sense in which we can speak of God calling us to live, you know, under certain conditions. We can be called to be married or single or, you know, to live in a particular city or country or even into ministry. But in this passage, Paul means being called to salvation. And back in chapter 1, in verse 2, he addresses the Corinth believers as those who are called to be saints, Christians. Later, in verse 9, he notes that they were called into the fellowship of Jesus Christ. Verse 24, he identifies Christian believers as those who are called. The time you accepted Christ, your conversion. God calls people to be in Christ. So whatever domestic status you are in, change is not necessary, but it is not irrelevant either. Now because of that, I want to add here, and I want you to hear me, please. Married, single, if your situation is in the midst of sin or an and or abuse, God is not calling you to stay in an unordained or dangerous situation. Hear that from me, please. We can talk more later if you need to. But as you go back and you read the beginning of the chapter, every case there had an exception. For Paul, the one thing of eternal significance that humans can do in this world is serve the Lord. Proclaiming the good news of eternal salvation. We concur. Like Paul, he is not saying that all should become missionaries like him, but witnessing in all circumstances, whatever we may be, as a valid place to be witnesses to those that we are around. You know, it's so easy to get caught up and entangled with what else is going on. 
what we lose sight of that, becoming one with Christ. Marriages at the time that this was writing and that Paul was writing this um, were more of a, a business maneuver, if you would say, to gain more of a social status and, and property. Love was not necessarily in the mix. Um, so as a new convert, they were asking if they should stay in that situation because it might hinder their access to Christ. So it kind of helps with the understanding why they were asking the question from the get-go. In today's culture, marriages are not a business maneuver as much as they are as a covenant between two people. I get it. Marriages are rough. They're tough. We get distracted by the wear and tear of taking care of the family. We focus on working, providing at home, taking care of the kids, doing all the things with the right intention, but we can discard the relationship with the one who can create calm, peace, and order. Single folks were thinking they needed to get married, especially now that as a Christian, there was non-marital off-limits going on, you know? In each case, the thinking was that they must change their situation in order to better serve or to relate to God. Verses 18 through 19 from the message reads it like this. Were you Jewish at the time God called you? Don't try to remove the evidence. Were you non-Jewish at the time of your call? Don't become a Jew. Being Jewish isn't the point. The really important thing is obeying God's call, following his commands. Now, according to scholars, the matter of circumcision does not appear to be a big issue here in Corinth. But it was in many of the other churches that Paul was writing those letters to. The letter to the Galatians was written because of that very matter. Some Jewish Christian teachers taught that to be saved, Gentiles must essentially become Jews by obeying the regulations of the law. Well, Paul writes a very scathing letter here, right? Condemning such an idea. Anyway, circumcised or not, what matters for any Christian is to be obeying God's commandments to love him and one's neighbor. Paul uses the example of slaves as well um, to bring his point across. Notice in verse 21, don't become slaves of men. Well, now that's an interesting comment. Paul doesn't necessarily mean becoming slaves literally, but rather we're taking it um, in this particular context in the spirit. Here is, here's an example. Can you recount a time in which you stopped doing something you really liked to do because of peer pressure? Perhaps you liked certain music, maybe it was a favorite piece of clothing, or perhaps an activity like attending a small group or participating with church. I don't know, your friends or not really even your friends, you know, the cool ones. Made it clear that cool people don't like those sorts of things, and so you quit. How much of what you do or don't do today is due to the expectations others place on you? The expectations that do not line you up with good intentions, because it can also go the other way as well, right? Galatians 5.1 reads, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. The expectations of Christ are a freeing upside down value of freedom. 
It is not mandated that you will do this or else or you do whatever you want attitude. It is a freedom from sin. A freedom that does not hold you to conform to what was, but what can be. Here's another example with really good intentions. <laughs> and I enjoyed this, okay, but I was scared to death, so keep that in mind. So Kevin and his dad, they really enjoyed coon hunting when we first met and when we were engaged and got married. And Kevin really wanted me to experience this part of his life. Okay, I didn't want to go and kill a coon. Or, you know, I was really scared to go riding on a mule in snow that was knee-deep high. But I did. And I did shoot at the coon, but I intentionally did it so it would, so it would go away. <laughs> yeah. But out of respect, okay, I did that for the love of him, even though I was scared. And I ended up enjoying it with all my heart, but I was so scared. And I know that sounds silly and kind of really minor in comparison, but the point is doing things for the greater good, the greater good of the marriage, the greater good of being single, or wherever you find yourself in relation to. We do things for the love of those we love. How about doing things for the love of God and for those he loves? Becoming one in Christ is freedom regardless of being married, single, slave, gender, old, young, position of authority, race, political stance. Human life is valued by God. All people are equally brothers and sisters in Christ regardless of their social standings. Remember, it is the calling as a Christian that affects how we live, not the condition that affects our calling to be a Christian. Becoming one in Christ. We're finding ourselves to be more divided than any other times, aren't we? And it's scary. If you're like me, I ponder both sides of issues for a while, and I sit on the fence watching and waiting to see what happens. We're going to have to make a stance at some point. I just want mine to align with Christ first. Hebrews 12, 28 through 29 says, The kingdom of God cannot be shaken. By being one in Christ, there is hope. There is joy. There is hope in the kingdom. We wait in hope, drawing ourselves closer to the one who waits for us to long for his presence, to long and adhere to the shaping of his likeness. We find ourselves waiting now, waiting for things to settle down with this virus, waiting for change to happen with social injustice. In the midst of waiting and hope, it can be painful. Hoping in a marriage that is in the brink of falling apart, hoping for healing in all domestic issues, of restoration. Whether we've seen or been a part of any of this directly or indirectly, we wait for change in the midst of hope. Verse 31 of chapter 7 says, Those who use the world should be like people who aren't preoccupied with it, because this world in its present form is passing away. We just can't sit by and wait contently 
That was the eagerness of the Corinthians. They just had things a little bit upside down. Instead of walking away or discarding to improve on themselves, Paul said, stay where you are at and allow the work of the Holy Spirit to work through you to whomever. Doing and acting, first and foremost, is a relationship with Christ. will spring load our love for others. It will demonstrate itself in caring for other people. Doing things we might not be too sure of or necessarily agree with or even scared of. But by aligning ourselves first with Christ, we'll be respectful of differing in opinions. We'll listen intentionally. We'll demonstrate the love of Christ in an upside-down way to those who see our world differently. To love one another despite our differences and allow the work of the Holy Spirit to concur. And to love one another, we need to get ourselves aligned with Christ first. There's too many distractions to interrupt this, right? It's easy to be distracted. Marriage can baffle the best of us. Marriages are like a, a twirling baton, turning the handsprings and trying to eat from a chopstick, right? It looks easy until you actually try it. But I get it. You're married. You're busy providing for the family, keeping a roof and food on the table. The kids are scrambling everywhere. Their schedules are taking over. You're attending church. You're showing up. But you're exhausted, tired, and there's no more pace and time with God and with your spouse. What happens? Temptation and sin show up. You're single, trying to make a life for yourself. Perhaps you're dating. Perhaps you're trying to find a date. You're working hard, going to school, trying to make a future for yourself, or you are totally content on being single, but you're feeling the pressure from others on the outside that are conflicting. You're lonely feeling inadequate, trying to maintain the social norm and have fun, you find yourself spiraling into a dark place. Perhaps you are divorced and widowed. What Paul is saying, whatever domestic situation you are currently in, align yourself with God. Allow the working of the Holy Spirit to move through you, to strengthen you, to draw you close. Allow the Holy Spirit to bring forth fruit in you in order to bring others closer to Christ. All these distractions of trying to make it in this world, setting ourselves up to look good and be a good Christian, and this is the overall objective of being a follower of Christ. Unless we are put in aligning ourselves up with God first, all other re relationships are not going to be well. They're going to be issues. We see the issues today. We get sideswiped by our own selfish desires that break marriages apart, outside influences that create divisions in both churches and in relationships, as well as the prejudice attitudes towards others. This is not how God intended or created us to be. Galatians 3 reminds us, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen? If you have accepted and acknowledged Christ as your personal Savior, there is first and foremost a way of following Christ's example. Actually, it's a command, and you guys will know this. Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul and with all your mind. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. It is not if we are single, married, divorced, or what church we belong to, nor is it where we are at. We belong to Jesus Christ first and foremost. As the worship team brings their way up. So when we are riding the fence or we're incisive about an issue, we can stand firm in what the word of God spells out to us. Let God's spirit blow in. Let Christ stir within you and meet you where you are at. Participate with God. Don't allow outside influences shortchange you from God's goodness. Go directly to God's word and meet him to know what the right response is. What is that right, right response? Verse 15 gives a little bit of a glimpse. God has called us to peace. To love one another despite our differences and allow the work of the Holy Spirit to create God's kingdom here on earth. Become one with Christ. It is Christ that identifies who we are and which gives purpose to our lives.